The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you, Hannah. Psalm 23 has been going through my mind, and it's been on my heart all week long. And uh, we've been hearing lots of great stories from uh, people all over about how God is working even in the midst of this crisis. And I pray that the Lord is at work in your heart and that God is doing good things. And uh, I really firmly believe that although this is not God's will that we go through, suffering necessarily. He uses every crisis in our life. He uses everything that happens to form us and to shape us. And he's getting our attention right now. I think the Lord is saying to us that he wants us to look to him and that he wants us to seek his heart. Jesus tells us that when we start seeing the times that indicate the birth pains, as I talked about last week, as we start to see things change and shake in the earth, that we need to Uh, turn to the Lord. He says, look up for your redemption draws near. So that's exactly what we need to do. Today I want to talk about Psalm 23. I want to talk about David. David was the shepherd who became a king. I don't think he ever forgot his years as a young shepherd watching over the sheep. David was a uh, young man when he was guarding the sheep when Samuel comes to his father's house and says, I'm looking for the man who's going to be the next king of Israel. Of course, Samuel went through all the different sons that were there, and David was out with the sheep, and finally they brought him in, and Samuel says, this is the one. David knew that God was faithful to him. He learned lessons about God's faithfulness by being a shepherd, and David's on the job training as a leader first came while he served as a shepherd. I don't think he was ever the same after that. How can we forget how David confronted the giant Goliath? Remember when King Saul offered him his armor, and David had never used armor before. But one thing he knew as a shepherd, he knew how to use a sling. And he had killed a lion and a bear that had come after his sheep. He says in um, the Old Testament, he says, The Lord has rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, and he will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Most scholars believe that Psalm 23 comes later in David's life, that he's looking back to those earlier days when he uh, was a shepherd. Now, a lot of you may not know that Janice and I were small-time shepherds for a short time. We had a small um, uh, group of uh, a small flock of goats, and we were part of the American uh, Dairy Goat Association, so we were official uh, breeders for dairy goats. We had Toggenberg goats. I believe there's a uh, picture up on the screen there of uh, Toggenberg. And uh, they're beautiful goats with two white lines going down their face. Uh, but they're rascals. Something I learned about goats is they're not like dogs. Dogs are usually very focused in on one thing. Goats kind of pick up everything that's going on around them. 
So I noticed that every time the dogs were zeroed in on something, the goats would go over and, and just uh, plow into them. So the things that we learn, the amazing things we learn by being a shepherd. I just want to share some of the insights that God gave to me over the years uh, doing that, because I see Psalm 23 in a different way. And I feel this morning that the Lord wants to give us some principles from Psalm 23. He wants to encourage our hearts, and he wants to bless us. Now, there's a caveat here. I know that the Bible's talking about sheep, and that's where we get the word shepherd from. They usually had sheep and goats together, although they separated them at various times. And uh, so uh, they're similar in some ways and different in some ways, but we're going to talk about uh, both of them. So, Lord, open our hearts today. Help us to understand your word. Speak to us, God, through this scripture, the things that you're wanting us to hear. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing that David says is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that we're not going to experience hardship. In our lives, there are many times that we're going to experience hardship. David was a man who understood hardship. He went through a lot of difficult situations. Psalm 23 is about God's faithfulness through those hard things. It does mean that we have a shepherd who is watching over us. We have a dedicated being who is infinitely more powerful than us, that loves us, that knows all about us, that knows the situation around us, that understands what we're facing in our environment, and he's committed to helping us thrive as sheep. The word for pastor, literally in the Greek, is the word shepherd. One winter morning, early in my time as a small-time shepherd, uh, it was about seven degrees below zero. That's Fahrenheit for those of you uh, that follow Celsius. So it was very, very cold. And I thought, I'm going to have my breakfast and coffee first this morning before I go out and take care of the goats. And that inner voice of the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you have the ability to make choices and decisions, but your goats don't have water right now because there's a coating of ice over all of their water troughs. And then the next thing I heard was, the Lord said to me, a good shepherd always takes care of the sheep first. I was so convicted and I thought about that. I thought that's how Jesus loved us. He put our needs before his own. He put our, uh, the things that he wanted to do in us before his own comfort, before his own uh, desires. And even in the way he treats the disciples, he washes their feet first. He becomes a servant, a servant leader. That was part of his spiritual DNA of who he was. We need to understand that we're not alone. We have a spiritual shepherd who's dedicated to us. Even before we were formed, even before we were born, the Bible says that God knew who we were. God had a plan for us. He had a destiny for us. And God is going to take care of us. He's going to take care of us even in the midst of this crisis. The Lord knows where you are. He knows what your needs are. And he's dedicated to taking care of you. The second thing that David says is he makes me lie down in green pastures. The shepherd leads his flocks to good green grass. Now, grass is not always easy to find in David's world. As a matter of fact, in the Judean desert and even outside of there, you can see that there are places of grass, but there are vast places that are dry and, and are like the desert. A couple years ago, when we were driving out of Jerusalem uh, south in southern Israel, I saw all of the shepherds driving their flocks through all these dry places. A good shepherd knows where to take the sheep, where the grass is, where the best grazing is. 
And our Lord knows how to take care of us, even in desert times, in dry times. The Lord knows where the grass is. The Lord knows where to take us. The sheep and the goats come to trust the shepherd. They trust his or her voice because they know that the shepherd has their goodwill in, in his heart. So the question for us today is, do we trust our shepherd? Do we trust the Lord? Or are we going to be stubborn sheep? Now, one of our first goats, a goat named Haley, did not want to be part of our flock. And I'll never forget the day that uh, Haley got loose. I thought Janice had her. Uh, she thought I had her. And it was 45 minutes of running, uh, chasing this goat named Haley. And I thought, I could see the headlines on the local newspaper, the Hudson Hub, goat massacred by car, you know, irresponsible shepherd, uh, the whole thing. And I swear a couple times as I was chasing that goat, that goat turned around and looked at me, and if goats could smile with derision at me, that goat was smiling and laughing at me. One time when Haley turned around to smile, if goats can stumble and fall, she was looking at me. She was so focused on me, she tripped over a log and I dove on top of her. And there I was, me and the goat laying there on the ground. And I thought about that. I thought, you know, when Jesus talked about the one leaving the 99, he tells a story about the sheep and one sheep getting away. It says the shepherd will go after the one sheep that gets away. And I thought, is that how the Lord persevered with me? Every time that I, I, the Lord called me to walk with him and I would go the other way, I would find an excuse. Years later, I would say, why did I run from him? He's such an amazing God. Why would I run from the shepherd? And yet that's what Haley did with me. Haley and I finally became friends, but I never trusted her not to run away. And uh, she ended up going to another farm. Last week, uh, Doug, one of our elders, shared a vision about, and this was about a cow, and he talked about a cow that was so overweight that it couldn't get up, it could barely move. And he said that this cow was struggling to get up, and as he watched the cow, the green grass began to disappear, and everything turned brown, it became blighted. And uh, there's this understanding that this is the season that we're in right now, that somehow that we've been in a very fat season where there's been a lot of grass around, so much that we've just eaten and eaten. And I said, Lord, what was, what was Doug saying? What did that vision that Doug had, what does that mean for us? Uh, we need to understand that we have been in a season where we have had things so easy and I'm not necessarily talking about financially easy, but as, as you think about your situation right now, most of us are in a place where we are sheltering in place. Some of you are in quarantine. Uh, how many of you envisioned this happening two months ago or thought you would even be here? For many of us, there are economic challenges that face us. We were in a market that was so amazing. It seemed like it was going up and up, uh, almost nine years of continuous up market activity. And all of a sudden, uh, things are difficult. Things are a little tighter. People are being more cautious. Not everybody says hello on the street when you walk by. Some people are very worried and dialed into their situation. I think that's what it means when the green grass starts to disappear now, what Doug said is there were, there were patches of green grass around in different places. And as the animal had to struggle and move around, it lost a lot of the fat. I said, Lord, what is that fat? What does that mean for us as Christians? And as I prayed about it this week, I felt like the Lord said, we as the church. And now I'm not just talking to River of Life. I'm talking to the entire church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in America. 
I believe that we have heard so much of the word. We have had so much good teaching. We have had so much poured into us. But there's been a gap between what we've heard and how we've obeyed. There's an obedience gap. We have not obeyed the things that the Lord has taught us. I hear people saying, I want to go deeper in the word. I want more of the word. I want more teaching. And the fact of the matter is, is that God wants us to take the words he's given us and become the people of God he's called us to be. He wants us to move into the destiny that he has for us. I love the video that we saw just a few minutes ago. Wherever you are, you're the church. I think in a crisis like this, some people are tempted to call central headquarters. They call the church number and they say, Pastor, what are we going to do? What's the church going to do in this time? Can we put up a drive through this? Can we put up a drive through that? That's all good if the Lord tells us to do this. But you are where you are because God has placed you there. He's placed you in neighborhoods. He's placed you in a place where you work. He's placed you in relationships with people. He's placed you in a, in a place where you can be an influence. And he's filled you with all these good things. And he's saying right now, be the church. It's time to rise up and be the church. It's time to do everything that God has called us to do. The church is not an institution. It is a living organism that is connected. Folks, I want to tell you, it's been a battle this morning. And uh, I know on television shows, you're not supposed to do this, but we're not on a TV. This is live uh, internet. We're streaming this. So from this morning when I uh, almost shaved half of my nose off and I was bleeding for an hour to uh, trying to get this thing on the air, the Lord has a message for the church. And he's speaking to us right now and he's saying, rise up and be the church. We have been fat and it's time for us to stop leaning on leaders, other people, and it's time for us to be disciples and followers of Jesus. There was a moment in, uh, uh, this, is, this is a shepherd and a sheep moment, uh, if I can change metaphors here, when Jesus told his disciples in John 14, it's better for you that I go away. I can imagine the disciples saying, no, it's not better for you to go away, Jesus. You're the one that we're all about. We're centered all around you. And he says, if I go away, I'll send the Holy Spirit. What was that all about? That was all about the Spirit of God falling on believers, and all of a sudden there were literally hundreds and then thousands, and then tens of thousands of people that looked a lot like Jesus doing the same things that Jesus did everywhere. Jesus could relate intimately to a group of about 12. When it went beyond that, it was hard because we're limited in a human body. The Holy Spirit connects believers together, millions of believers around the world, in every country, every language group, every people, every tribe. He has brought them all together to do uh, his work and to bring everything together in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Doug said the grass was green, but it was in patches. Folks, I want you to know the Lord is going to take care of us, but we need to lean into him in this season closer than we ever have before. We need to lean into him and ask him to lead us to the places he wants us to be, to do the things that he wants us to do. We need to seek the shepherd of our souls and reference him in all things. Listen to what Jesus says in John 10, verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming, and he will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away, and because he's working only for the money, and he doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. 
Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not of this sheepfold and I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. There are people around you, wherever you are today hearing this, there are other sheep that are not yet part of the flock. And God is sending us to them. He's bringing us. He's deploying the church right now. Can I suggest to you this morning, I don't think necessarily that this is God's perfect will. He doesn't want there to be disease and death and all of that. But he uses the brokenness of this world to get our attention. And he's making the church a little bit uncomfortable. He's moving us out of our comfort zone. And he's saying, do what I want you to do and be what I want you to be. The third thing that David says, God brings us to a place of peace and restoration. Pay attention to this. This is very important. He says, he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul, and he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Jesus wants us to rest with him. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. In Jesus' case, there were a whole group of leaders that were out to kill him. They were determined to crucify him. They were determined to end his time on earth. But in the midst of everything that was going on, he continued to heal the sick. He continued to love the crowds. He continued to set people free from demonic strongholds. He continued to do everything that the Father wanted him to do. But one of the things that maybe you miss that Jesus did is he frequently snuck away. Not snuck, but he kind of, kind of moved off from the crowd to be alone with the Father. He took time to get away to be with his heavenly Father. Jesus wants us to learn to rest with him. He wants us to rest daily in his presence. He's waiting to bring rest and refreshing to your soul, but it's going to take our obedience to him to press into that rest. We can't do it if we're in a hurry. We can't do it if we're uh, trying to um, if we're trying to make it happen on our own. I love the words of Dallas Willard. He was having a conversation with John Ortberg, and Ortberg said, what do I do in my life to go further than I am? How am I going to grow? How am I going to move forward? And uh, by the way, I want to just encourage you. This is a book that I am reading right now, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, there's a foreword by John Ortberg, but it's John Mark Comer. You can get this uh, actually in Kindle format. And uh, anyway, Ortberg is talking to Dallas Willard, and he says, what do you do? And Willard says, you need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And so Ortberg says, that's really good. I wrote that one down. What's the next thing? He said, you need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. There is no next thing. That's the only thing. We need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our life. We need to learn to Sabbath. Can it be that the Lord is unplugging us for a moment to, to reset? And because we haven't take, taken Sabbath, I'm not saying this is the reason why this virus is here. Don't quote me and say that. But I'm saying he's using this present crisis to do good things. Because when bad things happen, God has a purpose, a higher purpose, a good purpose that he works in the midst of all that. If you want to be in the peace of God and you want to walk out of that peaceful heart, that heart of restoration, you need to be a rebel. You need to go counterculture because the world doesn't want to let you rest. The world wants you to constantly be going. The world wants you to be on the phone each week and say, well, your time increased this week on social media by 6%. We need to go counterculture like Jesus when he disappeared and went to be with the Father. We need to look for that place that God wants to bring us to. 
I can tell you as a shepherd that it's sometimes it's easy to lead the, the sheep and the goats, and other times they fight you. Are you fighting the Lord this morning? Or are you yielding to the Lord and what he wants you to do, uh, wants you to do and find that place of peace? The fourth thing that David says is he will lead us through dark times. He will lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Jesus never promises us a life without challenges and sometimes spiritual darkness and grief. Being human means that we're going to experience loss. We're going to experience grief. We're going to experience things that come into our lives. It was about 10 years ago, Janice and I, my wife Janice and I were praying and the Lord spoke to her and said, get ready, I'm bringing you into a season of grief and loss. And we saw a number of people that we loved in our life go home, about 10 of them in a period of time uh, that went on into heaven. We're on a planet that's raging with spiritual war and death is part of what we experience at times. And the war, the spiritual war becomes evident in every area of our life at various times. We also have seasons when we feel that darkness is closing in upon us and the Lord is right there with us. His rod and his staff comfort us. By the way, this is one of the tools of the shepherd. Maybe you've seen the shepherd's crook, a rod with a big hook on the end of it. Sometimes when sheep and goats are going the wrong way, they come in handy. I would have gotten Haley a lot quicker from that story I told earlier if I had a shepherd's uh, staff and crook. What he's saying there is that in times when we are going through the dark times, we need the guidance of the Lord a lot more. We need his guidance, and he guides us and brings us along. His discipline is not so much punishment as it is spiritual training for all of us. The fifth thing that he says, he will give us refuge and abundance even in the midst of our enemies. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, and you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Even when we're surrounded by those who oppose us, he lays out a table. He anoints us with oil. What does oil mean? It's God's favor upon us, a mark that we're chosen, that we belong to him. Our cup overflows with abundance, and this speaks of joy. God anoints our head with oil, and our cup overflows. Number six, he promises us an eternal refuge. He says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus the shepherd promises eternal life to his sheep. Goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. Jesus extends his mercy to all who call on him. Have you cried out to Jesus for mercy, forgiveness, and eternal life? You have, to, you have to respond to the shepherd and follow him to be one of his flock. I want to read something to you out of Revelation chapter 21. Jesus tells us that our destiny with him, and this is the last part of uh, Psalm 23. He says, you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Revelation 21, starting in verse 1. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. 
And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all the blessings. And I will be their God, and they will be my children. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death." God is giving every one of us a choice today, and he's speaking to you. For those of you that I know that many of you are already believers, but there may be some and even some in the church that have never really made a commitment to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. You know about the shepherd, you know about his word, but you've never said, Lord, I want to follow you. I surrender myself to you. I abandon myself to you. If you want to know what God's design is, people are asking, what is the Lord saying to us? In this moment, what is God's desire for us? Does he want people to die? The, the Bible says God is not willing that any should perish. His design was never for sickness. His desire was never for viruses. His desire was never for any of that. This is the result of sin and a broken world and rebellion against him. But the Lord is promising us. He's saying, I am going to prepare a place for you. That's what he told his disciples. I am going to prepare a place for you. You need to make a decision today. You can be with the Lord forever in a place where there is no dying, where there is no sickness, there is no, nothing that you have to worry about. There are no people that have an agenda that is going to hurt you. There is no tension in the air because that is all part of sin and the way that sin has affected our planet. But he promises us a place where there will be no crying, no sadness, no grieving, no pain, no death. And that's where God wants us to be. Psalm 23 is a promise to us of following a shepherd from the beginning to end. He says, I will take you through the hard times. I'll take you through this broken world. But I want you to know there's a time and place coming where you are going to be with me forever. And that is my heart's desire, that you will be with me and that you will live with me forever. I want to pray right now and I want to ask if there's anybody that is listening to this today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've never said, Lord, I want to follow you. And you might be saying, what does that mean? I have to tell you, when I came to know Christ as my Lord and Savior, it was in the middle of a residence hall room at Kent State University. There was no pastor. There was no church. There was no choir. There were no music videos. There was no worship band. I was sitting there alone, and I knew that my life was going down the tubes. There had been a spiritual manifestation of evil because of people that were around me that were involved in witchcraft, and I knew the spiritual world was real. But in that moment, I felt something I hadn't felt for a long time, and that was the presence of God that I experienced as a little guy when I was in my church. And I got on my knees and I said, Lord, if you save me, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I had no idea what I was getting into 40 years ago when I made that decision. I will tell you this, I've learned to trust the shepherd. I've learned that he loves me more than I know. I've learned that he's going to care for me. Would you just pray with me right now? If you've never received the Lord as your Savior, you can just pray this prayer with me. I'm going to pray it. You can pray it out loud where you are. Heavenly Father, I just ask you today to be my Lord and Savior. I ask you to forgive me for having a heart of rebellion. I ask you to forgive me for living for myself. I ask you to forgive me for doing my own thing and hurting many people in the process. 
And today, Lord, I come to you and I ask forgiveness. And I say, Lord, I believe that you are the one who died for my sins. Would you come into my life? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Would you lead me as a shepherd? Would you teach me the things that you want to teach me? In Jesus' name, amen. I just want you to know that if you prayed that prayer and you would like to pray with somebody or talk with somebody, our prayer team is waiting. Uh, the number is 330-342-9796. And uh, there's somebody that will be glad to take your call and talk with you. Also, if you need prayer today for healing, if you need prayer for encouragement, uh, even if you're just feeling lonely and you need someone to talk with you and maybe encourage you and pray uh, with you, uh, let me give you that number again. It's 330-342-9796. They'll be glad to pray with you. And if you did pray that prayer, I'm so glad. I've got to tell you, it's not always an easy walk, but there's nothing that compares with walking with the one who created the heavens and the earth, who loved us so much that he came down and loved us by giving his life for us and rising again. Praise God. We're going to do something again uh, this week that we did last week. We're going to uh, put together a panel. A number of you have uh, sent in questions and comments, and we've tried to distill those uh, into a few uh, questions and comments. So the panel's coming right now. We're going to move things around. All right. Welcome, Steve and Pastor Dinah. Good to see you guys. Good to see you. This is fun. <laughs> Um, so today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just kind of moderate the, the panel um, and kind of let you guys be able, to, be able to share your heart on these questions. Um, so question number one um, has kind of been compiled from some different stories and things like that that we've heard and different questions that we've had come in. Some people are concerned that all that is happening right now might be related to the end times. Is there any relationship between what is currently happening, happening and end times prophecy? As I have been considering this question, um, one of the things that strikes me is the word talks about people will go to and fro, they'll be traveling, the increase of knowledge. And last week I was pondering that and I, I boiled some eggs and I said, okay, I need to know, is it better for me to peel these eggs now or wait until I eat them? Now, there's a point to this. Um, and so I asked my phone, is this, you know, what should I do? The answer is just a little bit slightly, wait till you eat them. But as I asked my phone, I thought, you know, these things, we're so used to having instant information about everything that we want to have an answer to. And a lot of times, God is asking us in these times of increased wisdom and increased, not wisdom, increased uh, knowledge that we need to take time and say, God, where are you in this? What is it that you're doing? And how do I need to respond? And so certainly the end times bring about a place where we're traveling to and fro. Increase of knowledge is rampant. But the Lord is still in this, and he is the one that's directing it. So is it related? I think it can be related. And I think our response has to be, Lord, where are you? As I was pondering this question, because it's an age-old question, isn't it? You know, the million-dollar question, where are we in time on the timeline of the Lord's return? 
And um, not to be disrespectful, but uh, I think it's not necessarily the right question, but um, we should keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. But in light of that and thinking about the end times, the Bible doesn't really give us the pinpoint answer to that, but it gives us clues as to where we might be. And so I turn to Matthew 24, um, and there are many clues as to when the end times will come. But I do believe that in ages past, many of the Christians thought they were there. So I think we need to be careful. And, um, you know, in Matthew 24, it talks about war and rumors of war and nation rising up against nation and kingdom against kingdom, famines, earthquakes. Um, but it says these are just the birth pains. So if you've had birth pains, you know there's a long road ahead of you. Um, but then it says then there's more to come, that we will be, the Christians will be delivered up, hatred by all the nations for my name's sake. Many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. False prophets lead astray. Lawlessness will be increased. The law of many will grow cold. And then in verse 14, it says, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So as I see, there's plenty of the nations that still need to hear the word of God. Um, so there's clues there. We're not at the end um, according to that scripture, but we have clues. And so as I was working in the yard this week, you know, you look out and it looks like winter still. But as I was working in the dirt and pruning bushes, you could see signs of life that spring was coming. So it wasn't evident clearly to the, the eye from afar, but as I looked at the clues, I knew it was coming. So, Yeah, I want to pick up on uh, what you were saying from Matthew 24. Uh, two things. I think, first of all, Israel becoming a nation again in 1948, mm -hmm. more than any other sign, that tells me that we're in that season uh, that the Lord calls uh, the end of time. Now, there's a caution there because Peter uses that in, in the book of Acts during the day of Pentecost. He said, this is the beginning of the end time. So we don't know God's, nobody knows the day or the hour. And if anybody's telling you that, you need to run the other way. Uh, but I do think, like Dinah's saying, we're seeing signs that uh, indeed spring is coming. Indeed, the Lord uh, is, is doing things. But one thing I want to encourage you with, we were at a conference two weeks ago in Nashville, and we heard Amy Ward, who works with... Uh, YWAM and Circuit Riders uh, ministry uh, based out in, well, YWAM in uh, Hawaii and Circuit Riders in L.A. And uh, she said that recently uh, at one of the large gatherings they had, they have more people working together to bring the good news of Jesus to the nations than ever before. For the first time, and this is the thing that really rocked my world when she said this, for the first time in the history of the world, there is somebody dedicated to translate scripture and bring the gospel to every one of the people groups and tribes and language groups in the globe by the year 2025. A hundred years ago, most of the world was unreached. 
there has been such a move of God, so much so that uh, significant parts of China and Africa, one of the largest Christian populations in the world right now, is in uh, st statistically, uh, based on um, the number of people, is in Brazil. Brazil has more Christians per capita than almost any other place. And you look at what's happening in the world, this is a sign. When you said the gospel would be preached, well, actually Jesus said it, he quoted him. But uh, when, uh, when Jesus said the gospel will be preached to all nations, I think we're closer to that than we've ever been before, and that excites me. Great answers, guys. That was awesome. We knew that these, these questions were going to take a little bit today, so we just, are, we just have a couple questions that we're, that we're tackling today. Um, yeah, I think all of those awesome answers, especially on the Bible side and even the, the pastoral side, um, if I can just add a, a, a quick comment, is just that, um, you know, I see like just this urgency in scripture all the time. And so there's this call to live as if it is the end times all the time. And, 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 and you see that kind of go out here and there. And so if there's any encouragement, I would say like, well, like instead of worrying if we are there or not there, let's, let's carry that posture of urgency for the gospel to go forth, whether we are or not, right? And, and expect that Jesus is coming back. And that what we do matters. What we do with our day and our time today matters. And so, yeah, I just want to encourage you with that, too. Um, so question number two, how do we individually discern what our role is during this time? I think that um, one of the things that the Lord can do in the midst of this is he's giving us some extra time to connect with him and to be with others. Now, I, I understand that many people are working from home. I was talking to uh, one uh, manager of a uh, local company. They have, I think they have about 50 employees. And uh, he said they're looking now at having people work home more because their creativity has gone up during this coronavirus time. So I know that people are busy. But I also know that a lot of things that we would normally be doing, sports are shut down. Um, you know, you, I guess you can binge entertainment until you drop if you want to do that. But God is giving us a moment, I think, to seek him, to be alone, and also to focus on the people that we love. I don't think there's anything that will replace getting alone with God in prayer and listening. Yeah. Let me go back to something I said in the message I shared this morning. He says in uh, John 10, my sheep know my voice. I believe God speaks to the church today, and he speaks to us. And often when I go into a time of prayer, I'll bring a pad and a, and a pen and I'll start writing things down that the Lord gives me. Sometimes it's just an impression that comes, and I know that God has birthed that in me. Um, Blaise Pascal, the French mathematician, said one of the things that's wrong with our world, and of course this was uh, uh, about 100 years ago when he said this, he says one of the things that's wrong with our world is that people cannot sit in a room alone. And I thought about that. I thought, it's true. People have a hard time just being alone with God. Can I encourage you during the season? Take some time, get a pen and a paper, get your Bible and go. The Lord will lead you and he'll show you things. He wants to give you assignments. He will bring people to mind and assignments to mind where he wants you to be. I think it's interesting that Matthew 24 is followed by Matthew 25, which talks about the parable of the virgins. Um, and also after that, the parable of the talents. So um, as I was looking at that, I think along with that, which I think is extremely important, um, many of us have lost our identity of really understanding who we are. 
And 1 Peter, I just want to remind us, 1 Peter 2.9 talks about how we are a chosen race, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And we're also called the bride of Christ. Um, So part of that being with the Lord is not just for us, but it's so that we can then be equipped to proclaim the excellencies of Christ to all those around, to take the light that we receive from him and take it to the world. So some of the things that I thought um, were just practical is talking is looking at also from first peter the perishable and imperishable and i think the lord is really speaking to us as we are alone looking at what things are really important in life and what things aren't and to really push into that and as we do i, I was interested on one of the prayer calls you know the lord gives us creative ideas of what to do in this time And so another person was sharing something that they had done. The Lord told them to do it last Sunday of writing a letter and taking it to the neighbors. Well, the Lord had told me that the week before, and I had done that. And so I think the Lord will give you ideas of what to do, of how to be that light and to be the influence not only with those in your sphere of influence, but also those that you might not know as much in your neighborhood, in those when you do go to the grocery store smiling, just shedding that light. And one of the practical things that I have learned is just start opening my ears to what are people saying, what are ideas that are coming out. And also with the parable of the talents, looking at my talents. So Pastor Jeff last week had on Facebook a worship time. And it was such a sweet time that people could just, you know, tune in and start worshiping. Well, I tend to be an exhorter. So how can I use my talents that God gave me to encourage people during this time? Get on Facebook. I'm posting things. Get on the groups that I'm a part of posting things there. There's next door. I'm posting things there for people. So there's a lot of creative ideas that we can do. I'm more of a ponderer. And so uh, in my Bible reading, I'm in 1 Kings, and I was reading about Elijah and the prophets of Baal. So if you read that in 1 Kings 18, Elijah goes and he challenges the prophets of Baal, and the Lord comes down and consumes his sacrifice and all of the prophets of Baal are killed. And Jezebel, the queen, says, even though the prophets of Baal have all been killed and the false gods have been proven false by the one true God that we serve, in verse 2 of of 1 Kings 19, it says, So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. So the principle here is that even though the things that Jezebel had believed in were defeated, she stood firm on still believing in those things. And I think what God wants us to do now is to say, 
the things that I believed in, whether it's finances or my job mm-hmm. or whatever other things that we had believed in, that God wants us to know he is the one. Don't go back to those things. Allow the things that God is doing now to be the things that you believe in and say, God, where are you in this? And that has to be my response. And if you want to know what you really believe, one of the things in one of the groups that I'm in, the the guy said, we live what we believe. We know a lot of things. There are a lot of things that we know are truth, but if you want to know what you really believe, Look at how you live, and that will tell you what you believe. That's good. All right. Um, any other last comments before I close this out? Okay, awesome. Hey, still, our, our, our phone lines are still available. Um, if you want to call in for, for prayer or any needs, uh, it's 330-342-9796. So thank you for joining us, and I'm just going to pray uh, just a benediction over you as, as we close out. God, I thank you for each person that watched today, each person that tuned in. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would meet with us in that secret place, God, and make us aware of the things that you're calling us to do in this season. Help us to not fall into... Um, apathy or passivity or 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 just kind of getting through, just kind of blah. But God, help us to, to recognize that this is a time where you are still active. And Lord, we're asking for eyes to see how can we love the people around us. So Holy Spirit, I pray blessing over each person that tuned in. And God, would you use them, empower them, and activate them this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Bye-bye.